Hey, welcome to the Sabjits Podcast. This is episode 19. In this episode, I spoke with my friend Esteban, and we talked a lot about current events. Uh, we talked about music, race relations, and a whole bunch of stuff. I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. How are you, bud? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. How you been getting through all this? Literally a day-by-day thing. I, mean, I tell people I'm okay. Not good. Not bad. We're just kind of hanging out in the okay region. What about you? I'm good, dude. You know, it's, I, I make my living with fitness and jujitsu, and those are two industries that are pretty much shuttered right now. So, yeah, it sucks, man. It sucks so bad. I feel bad for you guys. I feel bad for everybody who's a gym owner. I feel like my heart goes out to everyone. Yeah, I mean, fi- finally in New Jersey, at least I could do personal training again as of yeah. um, tomorrow. It's, it's opening back up. So hopefully everything will stay good so that we could keep going at least and eventually get to the point where gyms eventually open. That'd be awesome. I mean, the, the gyms here are starting to open, I believe July 17th. Um, but our gym is already open to doing like solo drills and things like that. You can have your own 10 by 10 mat and things that are like, even still, I don't want to risk anything until it's like open, open. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, I spoke with uh, Jay about a month ago, and he he had it was I think a day or two after he was able to open up out in Arizona. Yeah. As of today, he has to shut down again. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. He um they they made it a month and things have been blowing up in Arizona and you know a, a bunch of states that opened up early because they didn't have too much going on. They they have to they're going in reverse now. Has anybody noticed that, um, coincidentally, it's a lot of the electoral states? <laughs> I, don't, I don't pay attention to that, man. Yeah, that, like, if you look at it, it <laughs> it's electoral states. I'm just putting my light on quick. So what, what, do you, what do you got, like a little vocal booth? That, right, yeah, right? Um, this is kind of like uh, my band's, like, studio area. We practice. I record my vocals and everything here, and we do all of our music in-house. That's pretty cool, man. Saves a lot of money. A lot oh, yeah. of money. I mean, you're talking like a thousand bucks easy for a session for a band you're saving. Because I mean, mixing, mastering now is like anywhere between two and four hundred bucks. When actually, like the time in the studio is what costs the most. So we do it here now, and it's just like it's a lot easier. And we get to do it our way. We you don't have to rush things. You don't have to do anything like that. Yeah. Uh, the last time I actually recorded uh, for for a CD. It's been it's been a while actually since I've done that. I, I think that was like around ninety nine two thousand, mm-hmm. and, and I think we were paying like thirty five or forty bucks an hour back then. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much has changed since then. And that was that's a lower that's a lower end, you know. Yeah, n- now there it, it can be. I mean, if you go to some place like for example like SAE Studios in Manhattan and stuff like that, you're looking up to five hundred bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's high end stuff though. Yeah, no doubt. With, with, with the the gear that's available now. I mean, you can get some pretty good quality just from sitting at home at a computer. So, yeah, the only challenge that I, I, I found is, you know, getting good drum sounds and getting solid drum sounds without uh, too much bleeding, without too much, you know, just room room noise. And yeah, that's the, the same thing with us. We we uh, we know that, you know, we can do guitars, vocals, bass, you know, synth, all that stuff in house. But we know that drums, we have to bring it to a a sound room in order to do that because if not you're just gonna you're not gonna get it tight and plus even positioning the drum unless you're doing it on an electric kit if you do an electric kit then it takes all that away 
Yeah, naturally, yeah. That's just cheating, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I've done it that way in the past, and this sound—it's just—it's different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, it's—it's it's good, but it's different. And we'll, we'll, give give me a little bit of your background. Um, you know, as far as your your military and. I started. You want me to just kind of go from military after military, and then now, or? Yeah, let, let, let's just let's just get into it a little bit because um, I know. I know you're you're seeing some challenges it, now. Now getting away from COVID and going into like all the other things that are going on with like Black Lives Matter and yeah. Blue Lives Matter and All Lives Matter and everything else that's going on right now. So I, I know the challenges you have because I know your background. But I want to I, I want you to you know fill us in right now so anyone who listens to this will know your background as as we progress through it. Well, the first thing I can say is racism is real. For as many people as think it isn't, I want to preface it. I want to start it all by saying racism is a real thing. I grew up predominantly in New Britain, uh, Connecticut, which is right outside of Hartford. Grew up in a Hispanic neighborhood, Hispanic town, full-blooded Puerto Rican. My, both my parents are Puerto Rican. Um, my father was what they considered like white Puerto Rican because he was very fair-skinned, very light hair. Um, my mother was considered what they what they consider a black Latino, which my mother was very dark, very, a lot of the lineage goes back to Africa. But we, we grew up, I really didn't, I really didn't, ex, I, I experienced racism when I was a kid, kid from six to eight years old, because we grew up in like a, in Plainville, Connecticut, which is like a very, very, very white neighborhood. And then we, I was called like little brown boy getting on the bus and things like that. But that's kind of like a super distant memory now. And then we came to New Britain. Um, I never really, really felt racism in New Britain as much. It was more like just like the cultural standard, like pecking order of things as city kids. I didn't start realizing how racism, like really, truly how bad it was until like I got to the military. In 1999, July 20th of 99, I enlisted into the military. Um, I joined the Army Guard. I was there in the Army Guard for about a year and a half until 9-11 happened. Then um, as soon as 9-11 happened, it was like we got activated and I never came off of regular Army orders. So for the next 15 and a half years, I was active military, deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, been down to South America, been over to Europe. That was where like you know, I started seeing a lot of it. And then I got out of the military in July of 2016. I started working at, I said, at first, when I first got out, I was a bounty hunter for about six months. And then I was like, this job sucks. <laughs> and uh, my brother then um, got me a temporary position over at Wesleyan University. And I've been working there since as a audio uh, as a audio visual technician um, I also manage uh, student staff of um, anywhere between 50 to 60 students, depending on the semester. And um, I do all the special events and coordination on that campus. Yeah, that's pretty much all the way up until now. You and I met from jujitsu. I trained at Helsing Gracie in Berlin under uh, Professor Daniel Paluski, and who's a Helsing Gracie black belt under Phil Cardella. Yeah, that's pretty. I am 38 years old in two weeks. <laughs> and what, what, what day is your birthday on? July 11th. Oh, I'm, the ten, I'm the 10th, man. Oh, nice, man. My cousin <laughs> did that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, cancers. Yeah. <laughs> then I, uh, I've been married for, um, my wife's going to kill me, 18 years. I've been with her for 20. Yeah. And uh, my wife is full-blooded Italian. 
Um, so we live in a blended marriage. We have uh, two beautiful blended children, a 13-year-old named Gabriel and a seven-year-old named Athena. Yeah, living in today's world as a colored person in a blended relationship now as a civilian. Yeah, so that that's kind of what I was wanting, wanting you to get to, uh, mixed race marriage and having children and how that's what, what, what are some of the um, difficulties you've experienced, you know, and, and we, we had a conversation on We talked on the phone a few days ago and, and I, I told you that, you know, some, you know, some, some of the worst racism I've seen when it comes to stuff like that has been from, you know, family members. I hate to, I hate to say it, but you know, it, it's, it's the case. And, and we were talking about how a lot of the racism when it comes to that situation is directed at you by your race for going outside of it. So uh, can you just give me a little bit on, on what you've experienced with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to tag along that, um, like I said, my wife, have been, my wife and I have been together for almost 20 years, 20 years in February. And um, like through our whole time we've been together, we really, I mean, we notice people, you know, like staring, you know, and things to the like, but nothing like bad. Until like we started getting a little older, you know what I mean? And maybe it may just be like when you're, when you mature more, you notice more things maybe, I don't know. But um, even now, like God, last week we went out to Target and there was literally a guy that just stood and stared at us while we were in line together. And then my wife like came up behind me and kind of gave me a hug from behind. And then the guy just looked at us and shook his head and like rolled his eyes almost like in disgust. And this is still happening. I mean, this was last week. I tell a lot of people, a lot of times you, you, you receive racism from your own kind a lot. Well, I, in my experience, I've received racism from my own kind more than, you know, white people or, you know, any outside of any other race. And the same thing with my wife, like she experiences racism way more from, white people as opposed to, you know, people of melanin. And it hurts, you know, we, we, we even had last year, we, this is like before this, I mean, yeah, um, Trayvon Martin was happening, you know. We went to a diner last year and this was just in the Silas Dean Highway in, in Connecticut. And we sat down at a table and we had a couple, an older white couple that was sitting across from us in another booth the gentleman looks over and he just starts staring. I mean, this was 15 feet away. He's just staring and then he looks at the waitress and says, excuse me, I'm no longer hungry anymore. I need my check. And he wasn't staring at me. He was staring at my wife. I just feel like, especially like recently, I've been getting so many people telling me like, oh, you know, racism isn't as bad as, you know, it was during the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know, or the 50s and the 40s and the 20s. Like, I get it. Like, I get people aren't, you know, cops aren't openly beating. Well, I mean, we no. just saw what happened. But, you know, they're not like, there's not people holding signs, you know, the way they did back in the 50s and 60s and things like that. But I think it's just as bad, if not possibly worse. Because now the infection can spread so much further, given social media, given things to that nature. And like you said before, a lot of times we experience racism within our families more than we do outside 
I mean, I've had family members say, oh, you know, why are you marrying a white person? Why can't you marry a Puerto Rican? You know, why can't you marry within your own? It makes it easier. And I've just been like, I don't care. Um, my wife has had people say, my wife has had people in her family say, have fun making half babies. So, and this is after our kids are born already. So, I mean, I, I tell people, you know, yeah, it may not be the same thing, you know, holding signs and, and picketing and things like that, but the infection can just spread so much further. And I've had so many people look at me recently and say, oh, you know, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But the common theme that I'm seeing from everybody who's telling me it's not that bad, it's not that bad, is that they're white. It's like, okay, you're telling me it's not that bad, but do you actually have a concept of this? And I, I went on a thing, and when I tell people, when I use the two words together very lightly, the words white privilege, because a lot of people take offense to that. It's like, oh, you know, I was poor too. You know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, this, this, and that. And I try to explain to people, it's not a silver spoon in your mouth. It, that, that, that's not what it is. It's not the fact that you're born with money. It's not the fact that you're born in a higher status in society or whatever. What white privilege is, is to be able to walk into any store, any restaurant, any function, anywhere you go and not have your skin color be the thing that's inhibiting you or your skin color be the thing that makes people uncomfortable. So, I mean, I think recently it's just, it's really hard, especially being a veteran on my end too, it's really hard to see the nation in such turmoil, in such... And, and it, not only that, but the infection has spread across the world now. We're seeing it go, we're seeing the Black Lives Matter movement go across the world. And I'm not saying Black Lives Matter is the infection. What I'm saying is that that's the voice. But the fact that it has to go that far lets you know that the infection is that far. And it, it, this has always been a worldwide issue. And I just think right now, like the world is at such, is it, like the, it's like get ready to burst the seams to, I mean, I don't know, the tension level in the world right now, the racial tension is just so hi and i just had a conversation this morning with my friend about how you know i have to really think about everywhere i go every single day every day if i let's say for example i think to myself oh i gotta go to target or i gotta go to walmart i have to actually think about which walmart in which neighborhoods i want to go to because so then that and i'd rather go to the walmarts in the inner city than go to the walmarts in the nicer neighborhoods and all because of the looks i get in the nicer neighborhoods and it, with the you know, the, the people that make you just feel uncomfortable. And this is like now me, you know, I have a beard, I have hair, you know, and everything now. You know, before I really didn't receive it too much when I was in the military, because I mean, nobody's going to say that in front of somebody who's wearing a uniform. But now outside of the military, people don't know a single shred of my background. And just looking at me from, you know, Adam and Eve, it would be like, oh, that guy was never in the military. I'm just treated as such. And it hurts. It hurts that like, damn, man, like I gave my entire adult life to freedom and well, the, the idealism of freedom. Um, I gave my entire adult life to the idealism of freedom and, and prosperity for all. And I'm even being emotionally and mentally oppressed by citizens that I've helped defend. So it's, it's a serious mind game. It really tests my patience a lot. Yeah. Now you, you had mentioned white privilege. I was talking to uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, two days ago, and yeah, it's not it's not about money or anything. It's it's about it's about the freedom to just be able to do what you want to do. Sorry. Yeah, it's just, it's just about the the freedom to to be able to do what you want to do. I mean, I, I could walk down, I could walk down the street in my neighborhood and never be questioned. I could walk down the street in a 
strange neighborhoods, never be questioned. And, and that's where the white privilege comes down to. Like you said, you can walk into any store and you could, I could pick up every item in that store and no one will ever question to me, what, you know, what are you doing? Exactly. So that, that's what it comes down to. I, I want to step back to your, to your military career. Like you, you were a combat veteran in both um, Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things you said was you never truly experienced racism um, until you got into the military, it kind of like, that's where it really kind of, you really, your eyes were open to it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a, um, I mean, racism is big in the military, whether people think it, it isn't or not. It still is. I mean, it is rampant in the military. I've had leadership that specific, I've, I've seen with my own eyes that have, pick somebody over promotion for promotion over me that's way underqualified and just hearing some of the comments from the leadership like oh yeah this one's a bright one you know that kid's a bright one no it's not that he's smart you know so it's i've heard comments like that i mean myself i've been called by leadership you know I've met leader. I met people that never knew what a Puerto Rican was. I met people that never knew what Puerto Rico is. And I've had people make, I don't want to get too vulgar, but I've had people call me the tropical N-bomb. I've had people call me a water Mexican. I've had people call me things like that. A Southern Floridian, a true Southern Floridian, they'll call me or, you know, a border jumper, things like that. Or they'll just mistake me altogether and then they'll just, you know, call me every derogatory dark comment there is. So, I mean, the way I tell people a lot of times, it, when we got into the mill, now, am I saying it's very open? It's not. That, that's the thing that's weird in the military. When I was in, it it was almost going to the phase where it was no longer open about it, now going into like a secret thing, because I was in for 17 years. So it was more of a thing of like, you can see the racism by the action of people. You can also see the racism, like I, when you're like in basic training and things to the like, and guys, you know, are really stressed out and they're broken down and they're under extreme duress, you say and do things that are just out of sheer reaction. So even when I was down there, I mean, you got mixed races in the platoon and, you know, two guys will he- butt heads, you know, one guy being a melanated person and the other one being non-melanated, all of a sudden the white person goes, you know, this is why you people are blah, da, 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 da. And then they're like, what? What did you say? You know, I mean, the, the truth comes out. Of course. You know, or it's a thing of like, you know, oh, my parents always told me about you kind of people or things like that or things that are like, but that just shows how deep rooted it is. It, it, it's beyond what people see in the media. It's beyond what people see everywhere. This is like cultural things. Like this is, this is taught from a young age, like, oh, you know, and I even remember me growing up. Now, mind you, like I said, I'm Latino, and I've had fair skin, what I, what I referred to earlier in the cast, um, you know, white Hispanic. I've had family, family members of mine that, you know, lived in New York, and we went to, a, we were going to a pool one day, and the pool was full, and my aunt had suggested to my uncle, hey, you know, let's go to this pool. And the comment was made, no, we're not going to that pool because there's a lot of black people there. Black people are dirty. And I remembered that comment. And I was like, 
seven years old. And it just, it rings. I mean, you're talking 31 years ago. It still rings in my ear as like something like pure ignorance, evil. And that's my own family. You know what I mean? Like, I remember asking him, like, is that really true? Like, I don't, they're just people. And he, and he is like, no, 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 they're dirty, this, this, and that. And I'm like, wow, that is... And if I knew from seven years old that that was wrong, then people who accept it nowadays, it, it's, a learn, it's a super learned behavior. Yeah. It, it, it's a culturalized behavior. It is a relative behavior. It's, 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 an, it's the infection, like I said before. And Black Lives Matter now is trying to voice to everyone that the infection is a lot bigger than everybody seems you know but it's just it's still there and it really effing hurts not to not to live like free free like really free yeah well you you hit the nail on the head dude. it's a learn it's a learned behavior and that's why it'll never go away because you know if you if you grow up in that environment, you learned it from your parents, you learned it from their parents, and you're unfortunately going to keep passing it on to their kids. And unfortunately, there's you know certain cultures who are just going to keep perpetrating that, and there's not enough people who are just willing to open up their mind and listen and, and understand you know uh, another perspective. And you had touched earlier on how like you know people say, well, yeah, racism's not like it was. It's it's everything's getting better. The only difference between racism now and racism in the 60s or 50s or however far back you want to go is it's hidden now. Exactly. Well, actually, it's coming out again. It, it's, it's been hidden for a while. Okay, so it seemed like things were better. But um, over the last, I don't know, couple of years or so, depending on which side of the fence you're on, I mean, uh, it, it's some of the shit I hear is kind of crazy how like a lot, a lot of people want to say that, um, you know, Barack Obama started to open that divide again, which in my opinion is a little bit crazy, but mm -hmm. um, it definitely seems like over the last few years, it's just become a more open again. I mean, for a long time, the racism was there, but it, it was kept quiet, you know? Yeah. Um, pe people weren't, well, depending on where you live, people weren't brave enough to just come out and say what they thought about it. You know, it was always like, like you said, you know, the looks and the comments. Now it seems like it's just starting to open up again, you know? That's part of the reason why it's, you know, we're, we're, we're at the point we're at right now. You know, I mean, how, how much can you take, you know? It almost feels like all these years of repressed racism, of like teaching people these, you know, like that hidden racism. Like you said before, you know, 1800s, obviously there was hangings, lynchings and things that are like, I mean, which still happen to this day. We just don't hear about it. That, that, that's the craziest thing to me. It's like, this is all still happening. We just don't hear about it. But I mean, all this stuff, it just seems like has now boiled to a point where, and then here's the thing, this is a bad reaction. People are taking it almost like, oh, well, if you're going to go ahead and protest and stop the establishment and do this, then it's okay for me to go ahead and call you an N-word. It's mm -hmm. okay for me to go ahead and be racist towards you. If you can do this, then I can do that. No, stop. I think people aren't realizing the true message that's happening behind these protests. Now, don't get me wrong, Rich. I am not in any way whatsoever supporting the destruction of, you know, small businesses, American-owned businesses, so on and so forth. I just want to say that for a record. I do not support the fact of the destruction of that. I do support peaceful protesting. I do support stopping the establishment. 
I do support blocking, you know, blocking, you know, pathways into the town hall and things like that. Because like you and I spoke on the phone the other day. The truth is, is that there are the positions of power are held by rich white cis males. That that's that there's no secret about that. It, it those are the positions of power. So you're giving positions of power to people who have zero perspective and they're making decisions for people who are poor and they have never been poor a day in their lives. That's like somebody looking at me telling me, yeah, you need to do this military tactic and that military tactic. That's never served a day in the military in their lives. You know what I mean? That's like somebody looking at you saying, well, I think you're doing that technique wrong. Who's never set foot in the mats. So it's like, Stop with like stop trying to advocate for me if you don't have the perspective. You know what I mean? Like I think now what's happening is that it's just gotten to the point where now it's bursting at the seams. Now people are like, oh, you know, I can be racist, this, this, and that. No, stop the establishment. Cause like I told you before, nope. The the rich and the powerful don't care about compassion. They don't care about love. They don't care about unity. They don't care about bringing people together. All they care about is bringing their bankroll together. And that's the only way they're going to listen. The only way they're going to listen is if you stop that bankroll. Then they're going to go ahead and say, okay, what do we need to do in order for me to continue making money? It's not going to stop their racism. It's not going to stop their, the way they think. You know why? Because most of them are 60, 70, 80, 90 years old that don't care. Their bankroll says it all. And that's why my wife and I always say, vote with your dollars, you know, not your emotions. Like I said, I'm not a proponent of destroying the small businesses because that's what America is built on. That's what we're built on and so on. I'm not a person who promotes violence as, you know, when it comes to protesting. I don't think we should be resulting to violence because at the end of the day, I, I, I hate to put it in this sense, but I had a family member of mine tell me once, never become a check mark on a white man on a rich white man's racist clipboard. And what that means is don't give them the reason or don't give them the ammunition to put you in that box. I tell people all the time, one of the best groups that has advocated for equal rights over the years and what boggles my mind is that they just finished getting equal rights like two weeks ago in the job, in the job placement was the LGBTQ community. You know, it's like they advocated they, they provided data, they, you know, they went to legislature, they, they spoke amongst the people, they showed the people who they were. And what blows my mind is that they just finished getting federal approval not to be discriminated against in the workforce. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, me being ignorant, I thought that was already yeah. in place years ago. I thought, oh yeah, that, 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 that's been in place years ago. I was floored when I realized that they just got rights now, I was like, that is one of the most saddest things I'm, I'm seeing this year to date. That's horrible. And the thing is, is that if they're just getting equal rights now, imagine what's happening with minorities, women, you know, in the workplace, so on and so forth. I think people just need to realize that we're not going to like, for me, in my, in my eyes, personally, equal rights, we're not equal until I don't have to check a block on an application for anything that states whether I'm black, Hispanic, male, or female. That shouldn't matter with anything. But yet, look at everything you do. People say, oh, it's for the census. Really? What, what does it matter if I'm an American citizen 
I mean, if you're going to do a census on anything, do a census of who's a citizen, who's an immigrant, you know, who's got visa, you know, working to work here, things like that. Those numbers are important for tax reasons, okay? But the, the fact that we still have businesses that have to hire a certain amount of minorities that check blocks for tax purposes and for equal and for federal purposes, that they have to have that is absolutely sad to me. That we should be equal. If you and I both apply for a job, it should be Esteban, Steve Alvarez, Rich Shop. These are two resumes. Who cares if one of them is a trans female? Who cares if another one is black? Who cares if the other one is Asian? Who cares? These are their qualifications. On paper, who's the best person? Yeah, you, know? you should. You should even you, the name doesn't even matter at that point. Here's, yeah. here's this guy's experience for what you're hiring. Here's this guy's experience for what you're hiring. Uh, or or a girl or whatever. Okay, here's one set, and here's another set. Okay, this is the most qualified. Hire this, hire this person. Exactly. Yeah. All, exactly. all that information is irrelevant. Absolutely. It, all that information does is just feed more check marks on a clipboard. Because guess what? If I'm in a job, and let's say I'm human one day and I f up, guess what? Now that check mark goes. Oh, we have a minority that's been terminated. Now that goes to the to the rates of minorities that have been terminated. It does. It's not for, and it, it may be an unjust termination. That's why, like, you have states like, for example, Connecticut that has, you know, they don't have. It's a it's a no reason state. They can fire. It's an it's a fire at will state. So somebody, yeah, they can bring you on as a Hispanic or a minority. And you can get a new boss in and says, I don't like that guy because he's colored. Guess what? You're terminated, and they don't have to provide you a reasoning why. Like that's asinine in my in my in my thought. So going, you know, circling back with these people in positions of power, they're like the puppet masters. You know what I mean? And they truly and they've gone from, you know, remember back in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, all the way up until pretty much all the way up until OJ Simpson happened, to be honest with you. OJ Simpson is what prompted the twenty four hour news coverage and the smut TV and things like that. You know what I mean? Because they were like, Oh, let's try to get a news story in there. Let's try to get a news story in there. That was when that whole thing started. But even up to before then, news was very direct, it was very factual, it was very brought to you in your face. Now Forget about it. Now it's like this news station is putting their flavor on it as opposed to this news station in order to get the readings because you got the puppet master up here that says, you know what, even bad publicity gets me money. Yeah, well, it's not even news anymore. It's just, um, it's opinion TV, you know. Oh, God, that's all it is. Okay, whose opinion is mattered the most? Like, I, it's to the point in our house where I don't even put the news on anymore because you don't know what to believe. They're talking about, like, I posted something yesterday. And it says, wait a minute, so the CDC and the health officials can be able to narrow down certain bars and social spots specifically that have made the COVID-19 virus spike, but then yet during any of the presidential candidate rallies, during any of the Senate rallies, during any of the protests, during any of the peaceful protests, they say, oh, there's no proof in showing that it has spread during those times. Come on. Stop throwing a political twist on this. This is human lives we're talking about. On top of the racism, you have a pandemic that we're going through. So people are already breaking at the seams, okay? You're, you're talking about people are losing their jobs at an astronomical rate. Like we are hitting the worst unemployment rate we've ever had outside of the Great Depression. Now on top of it, you're throwing racism on top of it. You're throwing, you're, you're, you're stirring that pot of just dissension and turmoil. And you're just, 
hey, let's get, let's get the reviews, let's get the ratings. All that is is greed. It's just greed, greed, greed. People just want money, money and money. When the, in actuality, these news stations and these media platforms, instead of going ahead and saying, Trump's doing this, and trust me, I'm not a proponent of what Trump does, but Trump's doing this, this person's doing that, that person's on trial for this, that person's on trial for that. How about you start throwing some positive energy in the world and say, hey guys, these are the facts of what happened. You know, George Floyd died a horrible death under a corrupt police officer. What is Minneapolis police going to do to fix this situation? What is the America going to do to fix the situation of police brutality? What are we going to do to come together to demilitarize the police departments? Because also, I am a supporter of police. I am a supporter of firefighters. I, am, I have family members who are police officers. I have family members who are state troopers. I have family members who have been you know, wounded in the line of duty. I've had family members who've been killed in action for the military. So as far as public service goes, I have people across the board, including myself. But I am not a supporter of militarizing our police force. That's why we have a military. You know what I mean? To make our police force militarized. Here's the thing, like the way we say in jiu-jitsu all the time, right? It's easier to talk your way out of a fight than the actual fight to fight. If somebody comes up to you and starts running their mouth and everything like that, and you run your mouth right back or even three times more, that person's going to feel threatened and it's going to push them in order to defend themselves, which then you're going to have to use your skill, which you already know can surpass them tenfold. It's the same way in, in police departments. If you have police that are out there holding a line in these vests and, they, and they're braced all the way down from shoulder to knee and they just look like you know, universal soldier, that provides zero comfort to the public whatsoever. You know what that looks like? That looks like the boogeyman. That looks like somebody who's going to come into my house and take me away. Is that the truth? No. Is that the police department's fault? No. Okay. But I think you can get a lot more, you can attract a lot more flies with honey if you have the police officers out there handing out toys to kids, handing out masks to less fortunate people, handing out hand sanitizer to people in projects and housing projects and things like that. But, you know, instead of having the, the postman deliver the stimulus check, have fire departments or, you know, police departments or things like that go around the community and say, hey, guys, this is from the government. And is, you know what? Policing doesn't mean you're out there patrolling for the bad guys. That doesn't have to be it. Because once you make that bond with the community, they're going to tell you where the bad guys are. They're going to tell you the bad stuff that's happening in the community. They're going to tell you all the things that's happening. You know why? Because they feel safe. You presenting yourself as a super soldier, they don't feel safe around you. They don't, when you look at somebody say, Hey officer, I have a problem. Get out of my face. Like what the hell, man? Like that's none of your training says for you to do that. None of your training says for you to go ahead and, and be an a-hole to me. Like, I'm just, I'm paying your paycheck with my taxes. So essentially, like, I am your boss. Like, I need you to help me. I don't need you to give me a rash of crap. Now, on the flip side of that coin, I also don't support people that are antagonizing police departments either. Because all that's doing is that's just feeding the establishment. That's just, you know, when you see a lot of people that are the crap house lawyers, I like to call, but I do, I use a lot more colorful terms. You know, the crap house lawyers, they go around with these cell phones, you know, and they do things purposely in order to get a cop, in order to get a rise out of a cop, in order to 
you know, get a cop pinched up. That's so wrong. That dude has a family. That guy's just doing his job. He's truly trying to keep the streets better for other people. And what you're doing is that you're making his life miserable. You're forcing his hand. Now, to go into that even more, I mean, I think our law, our legislature, like, not only with police brutality, I think our laws and legislature needs to be revamped because there are a lot of laws out there that are specifically designed to target minorities. You know, there's laws out there that are specifically designed to, I mean, everybody knows Jim Crow. Everybody knows, you know, the bully lynch. So we don't have to go down those roads. But that's still around to this day. You know what I mean? For example, like alcohol is the worst drug on the planet. Like to me personally, like it is the root cause. I mean, my cousin was a state trooper and he'll tell you nine times out of 10, if he goes on onto a scene and somebody is heavily intoxicated, there's going to be a problem. But then in the other turn, he is like, I've gone to places where people have been so stoned off of weed that they're just like, I don't want any problem. Yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah, it's okay. So, like, now you have a situation where we're living in a, this is how hypocritical it is, our legal system. Now, you have people that can carry up to a half an ounce of weed and only get a ticket for it. Where back in the days where you and I were teenagers and growing up, if we had a dime bag of weed, we're going to jail for two years. You know, how many people right now are still sitting in prison cells because they had an ounce or two of weed because they needed to take the edge off at home? and they didn't want to drink alcohol. And they're still sitting in their jail cells because they had weed. And God forbid you had it in two separate bags. Now you were uh, distributing it. Now it's, dis- <laughs> now it's distribution and production, right? And if, you, and if you live close to a school and that gets thrown on top of it as well. But yet it's okay to go ahead and buy that keg for that kid's birthday party and get your whole family trashed at that seven-year-old's birthday party, right? There, there's so many other things that we should be focusing our attention on in order to, to, to get, our, get our legal system back on track. You know what I mean? Like, and there's things specifically designed to put people of color into prison for slavery. You know what I mean? And it's not just, and the thing is, is that it, I, I firmly believe, like, everybody knows the war on drugs was meant to go ahead and lock up as many minorities as possible as quickly as possible stop and frisk same thing what the hell do you need stop and frisk for nothing says racial profiling like stop and frisk because you're going to leave that up to the discretion of the police officer are you insane like that that one that one that's one i never understood um that violates the constitution just flat out Oh, it, it wipes the ass with the Constitution. That's yeah. what I, I hate to use vulgar or like, you know, profanity, but it, it seriously, it, it just craps all over the Constitution. That, that Constitution is supposed to be life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, okay? You violated all three by stopping that individual on the street because you're like, yeah, he had a hoodie on. Like, and not only that, but they did the numbers, right? They provided the data of what demographics they were stopping and frisking. And it was specifically minorities well above white people or any other like race, you know, over Asian and so on and so forth. Hispanic and black, especially, they were targeting like crazy. Why? Oh, well, we need to keep our city safe. Come on, man. Your job isn't to go out there and, and, and look for a fight. You know, us being, you know, jujitsu practitioners, you being a jujitsu black belt, you're, you're not going to go out in the street and say, yeah, 
you know what, I'm a black belt. I'm here to go ahead and look for a fight and to prove that, you know, guys aren't as tough as they are. No, no, that's the same concept. It's, it's asinine. It's stupid. The law is like going back to the war on drugs all the way up to now. If you notice, like generationally, they make certain stipulations that throw more minorities into prison, but they word it differently and they hide it and they, and they mystique it in certain things so that people are, so they can get those approval ratings. So people are like, oh yes, you know what? Thank God my Manhattan high rise isn't going to be broken into because we do have three armed guards at the front door and there's a, you have to have a key to get into my apartment, but stop that guy that's 15 blocks away from my house that has a hoodie on and then arrest him for having a bag of weed on him. Like, come on, dude, that guy, I just saw a video. This is just going back to the police brutality thing. I saw a video, um, when was it, two days ago of an, um, an individual, a younger, a younger man, I believe he was in his late teens, early 20s. I'm not quite sure, so don't quote me on this whole thing. I'm trying to remember what his name was. He went to a store. He had social anxiety disorder. Um, I believe he was also on the spectrum, so they're very introverted. Mm-hmm. And what kills me is that my son is on the spectrum. And I saw this as like my son. He literally went and he was like, he normally wears a mask because that gives him comfort. He wears an entire balaclava mask because like people who are on the spectrum, they have certain things that, that certain nuances, like to the point where the, the security footage in the store showed him everybody that walked by him, he bowed to them. Cause that was like his signature thing because he didn't want to touch anyone, but he wanted to show everybody that he loved everybody. So he bowed to them. He walked out of that store and was walking seven blocks back home. Somebody saw him in the second or third block and says, yeah, this guy's got a mask on and he seems suspicious. The cops stopped him because the kid was stressed out and because he's on the spectrum, he couldn't articulate that he was on the spectrum. He couldn't articulate that he has special needs. He couldn't articulate, you know, hey, no, I I bought this. I did nothing. The only thing he could say was, I'm different. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. That's the only thing he could say. I'm different. I'm an introvert. You guys are hurting me. Long story short, they wrestled him to the ground. They were pinning him down. He threw up twice, calling for his mother, just telling him, guys, I'm different. He was even telling him, I don't even eat meat. I won't even kill a fly. He goes, I don't hurt anybody. He's like, I just want to go home. Long story short, the poor man died. The training that these police officers are going through. I can tell you right now, they don't teach you that. They don't teach you that in the academy. They teach you that mindfulness, CIT, crisis intervention training, you know, excited delirium. They have to take a lot of things into consideration. Like, for example, I'm a diabetic, okay? I'm a type 2 diabetic. I can go ahead and have a candy bar, and I can look like I just drank a 12-pack of beer. I can be all over the place, slurring my words, stumbling. Cop sees that in the street or pulls me over. Let's say I had something and it had sugar in it, pulls me over, and, like, my mind is you know, right there everywhere it is, but I'm, my body isn't coordinating. Cop pulls me over. Oh, you're drunk driving. This is, I'm not drunk driving officer. I, I have diabetes. Bam. All of a sudden I get the, sh- the crap beat out of me. I get put in cuffs, resisting arrest, this, this, and that. Dude, do the legwork and, and actually use common sense and say, ask the right questions. Are you on any medication? What's your background? Where are you coming from? Did you have, you know, are, do you have any ailments that I need to worry about? This, this, and that. Because, dude, I think a lot of this stuff can be mitigated if we had just better training. If those FTOs, 
that train our police force, they check in with them because a lot of cops, through no fault of their own, get jaded by the street. And you also have your true racist cops, okay? And that goes down to the background investigation. I want to see, like, what questions are they asking on these polygraphs to see who's racist or who's not? Because it's going to come out in a polygraph if somebody's racist. And I want to know who's approving that. It, it, it stems even deeper and deeper and deeper than what's just on the, on the surface. And I think what the media needs to do is instead of making the, the surface really big, you know, and, and saying, oh, this racism and this, this and that, look deeper than that. Look into the training. Make headlines about police training. This is what's going on. FTO, we're on the streets with an FTO. This is what we're doing. This is how cops are being trained. This is how this. This is how that. We need to change the system. We need to change the legislature system. But until you still have those bad apples out there, that's just a cancer. And like any cancer, if you don't go ahead and stop it, it just spreads. It spreads, it spreads, it spreads. The, the, the police who, who don't want to be grouped in with this group of bad cops need to clean their own houses and people need to stop turning a blind eye to things. One of the other things I'm saying too, and you just, you just basically said it, so I don't even really need to say it, but it, 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 as far as the training goes and the amount of training police officers get before they hit the street is probably not enough. And they're put into situations that a police officer isn't necessarily the right person for the situation. And now there's memes going around about that. We got two cops watching like a psychologist try and deescalate a situation. And they're making fun of it. But, you know, you, you touched on it. If someone has special needs or, or, you know, they're on the spectrum or whatever, police officer going there isn't going to, who, who, who doesn't have experience with that population is only going to escalate the, the, the matter because that person not intentionally being violent, it's just, you know, it's, you have to treat certain people certain ways. And if you treat everybody the same, you're not, you, a lot of your results are going to be bad. Oh, extremely bad. I yeah. mean, you never know if that police officer that morning, for example, his wife told him that he's, his wife or partner told him that they're going to divorce him. That's going to set things into a whole different perspective for him throughout that whole shift. Uh, and, 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 you know, the human factor is, is a, no matter how much training, and you, you know this as well as I do, no matter how much training you get, you get there's a human factor. Circumstances are going to dictate a response, and no matter how trained you are, there's always going to be somewhat of a, a human reaction, you know, whether it's adrenaline, fear, which you obviously no one wants to admit, you know, I was afraid in that situation, but there's always an amount of fear when you're in a confrontation, and I don't know, man. I mean, it's like, it's like, for example, you take a guy who does jujitsu, who's been doing jujitsu for, he's a black belt in jujitsu, even, even a, let's say a, a fresh blue belt in jujitsu, you know, training in jujitsu two years, four times a week, rolling, you know what I mean? At least five, six hours a week. If they're presented with a situation of violence, because they are, are so conditioned to it, they can think differently than somebody who's only been in two physical confrontations their whole life. That person knows, the person who's trained knows, I can really do something bad here if I wanted to. I know this situation. I've seen this before. This is familiar to me. Now, every situation is different, obviously, but still, it's it's a familiar situation. So you're not going to have that person who does jujitsu when they're presented with violence say, oh, you're not going to get that adrenaline pump. No, because you know why? We get it every day during while we train. It's the same thing with police officers. I really feel like there needs to be more culturalized training. There needs to be more individualized training. There needs to be more individualized units. 
there needs to be more people who deal with, like, for example, having a SWAT team. You have a SWAT team, you want a militarized portion of the police department, have your SWAT team. Have your city SWAT team. Those are the guys that are called in literally right before you call in the National Guard. Those are the guys that are going to deal with, you know, the barricaded suspects, the people using people as human shields. You don't want to use a SWAT team on somebody who's just refusing to open the door to their house because that's their constitutional right. They don't have to open the door. You don't want to go ahead and use a SWAT team to stop somebody who says they want to kill themselves. You know what I mean? You want to, you, there, there was a foot, there was footage I saw that came out about six months ago. I believe this was in somewhere out in the Midwest. I can't, um, I can't put my finger on it, but it was a veteran outside of the town hall who was jaded. He didn't get his veterans benefits. He's being taxed like crazy. He just finished getting a divorce. The military didn't want to help him anymore. And like, he just felt alone. So he was outside the town hall. He was going to kill himself outside the town hall. What that police department did was the first responding officers, all they did was they just started talking to the guy. And then they called one of their supervisors who was a veteran. He came out there and he talked to the guy. You looked at the guy asking him, pleading with him, man, I'm your brother. I've served with you the same. Trust me, there's help out there. I can get you help. I just need you to re just hear me, hear my voice. They de-escalated that situation beautifully to the point where the cop looked at him after they, they put him in handcuffs and they searched him. You know, they took the gun away and everything. They realized he wasn't a threat. When they went ahead and put him back in the car, he took the handcuffs off and he goes, you're my brother and I know you're not going to do anything wrong. You're just hurting right now. And the guy just bawled like a baby in the back seat. That is training. That's what policing is supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. You're supposed you're supposed to protect and serve. You're not supposed to arrest and maim. That's not your job. Okay. You're, it doesn't say arrest immediately. No. Why are you going there? Now, don't get me wrong. Again, there's people who antagonize the cops that I I feel 100% deserve to be arrested because all you're doing is playing with fire. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. Having people like that that can deal with have a specialized unit that deals with cultural sensitivity. Have a specialized unit that has Asian police officers, black police officers, Hispanic police officers that can go out to these communities during festivals and say, hey, we're here for you, this, this, and that. They can go out there in crisis situations, during gang violence. They have, excuse me, they have gang task force in order to arrest and shut down gang gangs. Have they ever had a gang recovery force? People who can go to gang gang members who are known gang members that are and ask, especially the kids, why are you doing this? Why are you in this gang? Oh, because I feel like I can't get out. This, this, and that. Here's the help we can provide you. Here's this. Here's that. Here's these services. Here's these services. The thing is, is that a lot of the minority people feel like there's no way out. When in actuality, there are many ways out. Okay? But the thing is, is that we're only conditioned to... It's either we have to do this, we go to jail, or we die. One, like one of these three. You know what I mean? People don't know that there's housing assistance, there's educational assistance. You can get a freaking full-ride scholarship to a state college from your city if you present it the right way. But they're just conditioned because you know why? The training. The, the, the politicians are worried about the votes. The politicians are worried about, oh, we have to stop the racism. How, how about you? You empower people with the education themselves. How about you empower people with the knowledge themselves? How about you empower people with the, with the services that you know are there, but you're not offering them, you know what I mean? Because you want to keep them oppressed, but you have the service there in order to check the block. 
how about you show them that if you have a group of people who already have a propensity for violence and that's what they've grown up in that's going to be the first thing they go to once they feel like they're under stress and they're being oppressed okay so it's no fault to them they're, they're going by what a, their known human reaction is you know what i mean they don't think to themselves let's advocate let's call our legislature let's do this you know why because they've had people who tried in the legislature like Pfft. well try and get through yeah of course exactly it's like oh yeah we'll pass on that message yeah. oh yeah you have your pro you were a victim of a hate crime yeah okay we'll pass it over investigations like stop trying to collect the paycheck and start doing your job yeah they just basically just need to um engage with the community is and 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 bring uh you know show show you're there for you know for things to be better for everybody uh a friend a friend of mine i was speaking to a couple of weeks ago i grew up in a predominantly white town and you know we we had a, a few black families that were grew up in the town and i, I happened to grow up with with a um a block away from me, uh, one of the black families lived in, and I grew up with them. They've been, I've been friends with them my entire life. One of the things he said to me was, you know, you grew up to respect the police. I grew up to fear them. And, and that basically just comes with, you know, engaging with the community, you know? I don't know. You, you, pretty, much, you pretty much said it all, dude. But that, that's what it comes down to, man. Just uh, in, engage, you know? Don't, one, one of the things I, I've wondered about was, like, when I was growing up, Police cars were predominantly black and white car with lights on top of it, you know, or a, a white car that had a logo on it. There was always lights on top of the car. Over the last 10 or so years, it seems like now all the cars are their black cars with the ghost writing on the side, right? So it's like until it's right on you, you don't even know it's a police car. Lights went from the top into the grill. So it went from like you were told if, you're, if there's a problem, find the police car. But now it's like they're camouflaged, right? I, I never understood why, you know, and, and I haven't gotten an answer on that yet. You know, it, it was supposed to be, you know, visibility. You, you weren't, you're not there to sneak up on people, right? You're there to be part of the community. Exactly. And, and I think that that's something that's changed. And, you know, and, and, and like you, dude, I'm, I'm a huge police supporter and I'm very vocal about that. I've always been the guy who, you know, assumes that the the police are right. You got me. You show a video. You show me a video, right? And it's showing me something happening, but it's not showing me everything that's happened. How did they get to that point? And I've always been that guy, and I, I probably always will be that guy. But at the same time, I'm smart enough to see that something's happening, you know. And you know, we need to figure out what it is, why it is, and how to make that change. And, and I think we're, I guess, we're on the on a path right now. But everyone just needs to come together with that, you know. And that's that's what the problem is, right? Right now, there's just too many people just banging heads, and no one's willing to listen to anybody else, you know. Um, yeah, I think everybody's so set in their ways. They don't like you can't tell me this, you can't tell me that. Like, why not? If you want to make change, you got to see things from all different perspectives. Yeah, um, including for, the police officers. For for some reason, too, um, it's like if if you change your mind on something, right? I, I've always been like the kind of person I have my beliefs, but if you come to me and you, and you say these things to me, right. I'm going to be like, hey, you know what, maybe you're right. And, and I'm going to be willing to change my mind on that. And so many people are just like, if, if you change your mind, it's like, well, you know, you didn't know you, you're the same as me. You said this, you said that, you said that. Yeah. But you know what? I've kind of been enlightened on it. You know, everyone's so afraid to like, just change their stance on anything. And it's, it's like, you're talking to me. And when you're done talking, I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You're saying that and that, but this is what's happening here. Rather than saying, wow, 
I never thought of it that way. Exactly. You, you need to be able to listen to someone, understand what they're saying to you, and understand someone else's perspective on something in order to have any kind of healing and any kind of forward movement. And that's, I think, where the biggest problem is. The only thing is, is that nowadays with the invention of social media and everything, everyone is a crap house lawyer. And people are following the opinionated media. It's news of opinion. It's not news of fact. And people aren't doing their research. So you get this kid that'll go on Snopes and say, oh, no, no, you see, look, look, look right here. I did all my research on COVID-19 or I did all my research on, you know, the Jim Crow. I did all my research about this, this and that. Really, did you? So you mean to tell me your research means more than a civil rights activist who's read hundreds of books, who's done hundreds of papers, who's written hundreds of articles, who's been to every single state, who's lived as a colored person, who's lived as someone who's been oppressed. So you're going to tell me you have more knowledge than that person over there. Okay. That's, you go that's, ahead. that's where we are though. And, and, and it, it, oh my God, it just bugs me out. It really just, how many times Rich, a day do you, or like, if you're around anyone that says, and you say, yeah, man, I heard, um, you know, they say this, this, and that. What do they do? <laughs> hey, man, I don't know, man. It says differently here. Yeah. They go right to Google. The thing about the internet now is that you can find whatever, any answer to whatever you want on the, on the internet. I talk, you know, being in fitness, you know, whether it comes to nutrition or exercise or whatever, I, I try and talk to people what I believe is to be the best way to do things. Just my opinion. Obviously, everyone has their own best way of doing things. And people are like, well, I saw this. And it's like, yeah, okay. And anything you see or anything you believe, if you go on to Google, you're going to find information to back up your opinion. And you're going to find information to back up the opposite of your opinion. And everything between there. And everything's going to have background as to why that is. So what's, what's real? Start, people, have to start, people have to start learning, like hearing what's in here. You know what I mean? Like, if it feels wrong, then it's probably wrong. I remember, remember all that when we were a kid? Hey, you know, if it feels wrong, then that means it's probably wrong. Or if somebody looks at you and says, hey, what you're doing I feel is wrong, then it's probably wrong. No, nowadays people don't do that. There's such an individualistic mentality of, I don't care. I'm going to do it. I don't care about anybody else. I'm going to do it. I don't care about, this is for me. This is for me. I'm doing this for me. I'm getting mine. This, this, and that. Blah, 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 blah. That's another big downfall of what we have is everybody is so individualistic. How can we unite if everybody's only worried about themselves? We can't. I guarantee you, you can go down your friends list of social media. The first 10 friends you see, how many of them have done anything community service wise? You, you, you just touched on a, on a subject that um, I've been rethinking a lot lately. You know, um, I, 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 you know I, I've been talking to a lot of people about this lately and I, I was saying there's people, there's people in my friends list that, you know, people who I'm friends with, people who I've known my whole life, the shit I see and hear is fucking repulsive, man. And like, I, I, I had respect for these people and listening to them talk and seeing the shit that they post on Facebook, man, it's, I don't know. I'm like, you, you, you start questioning like, what, 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 what is it? Why is it that I ever even had respect for this person? You know? Like you said before, they've hit it. They hit it the whole time because they could. 
Now it's like, oh, social media, I'm just going to post this. You know why? Because I don't give a fuck anymore. Okay. Like, show the world your true colors. And now that makes people go into it even a, big, a deeper spin. Like, with you, you're like, how did I even know this person? How did I even associate with this person? And then what happens is that unbeknownst to you, because you're friends with that person, the other people who out who oust that person are going to look at you and guilt you by association. And you're just like, dude, I'm not a racist. That person's an asshole. I don't know what you're, or that person's a sexist or that person is, you know, homophobe. They're going to oust you because you knew that person or because you were on their friends list or so on and so forth. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how like it just, the snowball effect just keeps going and going and going. You know what I mean? And it's the same way by like, there's nothing anybody can tell me. There's n- nothing anybody can tell me. I hate to even put it in this con. Yeah, it's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing, you know, a Caucasian person in this country can tell me like, oh, racism is rare. Oh, you know, the physical physical attacks are rare, you know, nowadays. Or, you know, I, the, the, the hate crimes and stuff like that are rare. Have you ever been victim of a hate crime? Have you ever been have you ever been followed in a store? Have you ever been asked to leave a store? No. And it's the same thing. Like you can go ahead and go on that rant on social media, no one's going to fuck with you. Why? Obvious reasons. And not only that, but social media wants to stir the pot. The more posts that happen, more money in their pocket goes down to greed. As long yeah. as people are greedy, there'll never be unity. Because there'll always be that person that just wants a little bit more than the next, you know, instead of just saying, what can I be able to provide to the community to make the world a better place? That's like, like, this is the first, this is the first interview or first podcast I'm doing and actually uh, publicly speaking about my opinions about what's happening. It took me a while because I, I, I was originally thinking about going to, you know, the Black Lives Matter rallies or doing something to the like, but at the same, ter- at the same token, I don't want to put myself or my family at risk or danger. You know what I mean? With us being a blended family, I don't want people to go ahead. And I also look at it from my own safety point of view, because in the actuality, if anybody threatens my family, it's going to be an extremely bad day for them. But at the end of the day, in turn, what happens? I get locked up in jail. My kids are here without a father. My wife's here without a husband. You know what I mean? So I look at it in hindsight. It's like better to pick and choose my battles. It's not the fact that I don't, feel for these people it's not the fact that i don't feel for my people it's not the fact that i don't feel for humanity in general we are in a state now and it's sad that i have to pick and choose my battles in order to advocate for justice because i'm afraid of safety in my own country that i fucking fought for you know that that's like what anger that's why i like i had to take a second ago i'm like no i understand i totally understand you man it's like I come, I go to Iraq and Afghanistan and these places and I, and you know what? Who gives a fuck about the reasoning we were over there? Who cares? I don't care. People are like, oh, you were over there for, you know, greed reason. Probably. I'll be honest. Probably. I can say that now openly being out of the military. We are probably over there for greed, probably over there for money, probably over there for whatever. But that's not my job to figure the fuck out. My job was to go there, do a job that I was told and cover my buddies that were there with me. I tell a lot of people too, I wasn't like an administrative assistant when I was overseas. I wasn't a fucking x-ray tech when I was overseas. No, I'm not putting down any of those jobs. So anybody who's listening, don't, uh, don't get offended. And if you do get offended, grow a little bit thicker skin. You were in the military. That's what I have to say to them. I was in the infantry. So it's like, 
where the fighting is thick, there you are. You know, we were sent on patrols to go look for bad guys. We were sent on patrols to go be targets. We were sent on, you know, people attack us, we attack back. We set up things, we attack people. So it irks me to no end that I've had personal good friends of mine get killed in combat. I've had to hold personal friends of mine's hands while they're dying, okay? I carried personal friends of mine's bodies into a morgue to come back and see people shitting on the flag and to see people stomping on the flag. Like, I get where your anger is, okay? But you have to realize that that flag's been draped over a lot of people who fought for that right for you to do that. So redirect your anger and your frustration somewhere else. You know, it like, it absolutely, like I, I see where they're getting at and they're, and they're bringing down the establishment and they're doing it that way. But at the end of the day, this, if you're still spending money, that's American money, you're still pledging allegiance to that flag. So that's why it irks me. Like, and these are people that I've seen die of all races, all races, white, black, Hispanic, Asian. And at that point or another, they weren't a color. They were my brothers. They never saw a color in me and I never saw a color in them. And it, that never mattered. What mattered was is that if I didn't do my fucking job, somebody wasn't going to go home. And, and it just, it, angers me to the point of almost rage and and that's where i have to kind of do a reflection and sit back and just say for as much as i hate the fact that they do that to the flag and for as much as i hate the fact that they're doing it they have the right to and i have to look at it in that perspective and that's where growth came from for me it was like for as much as i i, I want people to say either love it or leave it no we we started the tea party for fuck's sake guys threw tea threw their own shit off of a boat you know 12 guys in a bar 300 years ago, got pissed off for paying taxes and said, nope, guess what? Now we're going to start our war. And that's exactly how America was born. So for as much as in my heart, it breaks it. I mean, man, when I tell you, it breaks my heart when I see people doing that. At the same time, that's the beauty of our country, because we can be able to do that without people being killed for it. We can be able to do that without people being labeled as traitors or treasonous or deported for things like that. You know what I mean? You can go to another country right now and I mean, shit, you can go to China right now. If you say something outside, you know, bad about the government, you disappear and your family. Anybody forget about the COVID hospital that was built to house people with COVID-19 in China that a week later collapsed and everyone inside of it died? Come on. So as much as our laws and everything are fucked up, we're still a little better off than some places and then a, a lot of places. I mean, most, look at, look at this right now. Look at this right now. You and I, man of color, a white man, talking freely about opinions, about racism, government, and things like that. We do this, three days later, people are knocking on our door, and we're getting carted away in other places. That's what's still beautiful about our country. So, yes, it, it sucks that, my, that I've had a lot of friend, good friends of mine that were killed in action for this. Not for this, but killed in action, you know, for the wars that we fought and the conflicts that we fought. That's a part of our country, you know, like protesting and saying that stuff is is a part of who we are. It's a point of frustration for me. And that's where I I, I want to go ahead. I wanted to talk to you, you know, and, and, and voice my opinion that way. I'm in two bands, um, Dead by Wednesday behind me and also Condition Zero. Quick shout outs to both of them. You can catch us on Instagram and um, Facebook and all that stuff, but I'm the lead vocalist for both of them. And the last three songs that I've written during quarantine have been 
protests against certain things. Yeah. You know, that's my way of advocacy. That's my way of putting it out there. You know, people still hate the fact that I'm even in a metal bands. I've heard, I've heard people say he should be in a cage, not a stage. I've had people walk up to me like band members of mine come up to former band members of mine come up to me and say, yeah, man, I just got a rash of shit from somebody because they're like, oh yeah, you're in the band with that, you know, that dark guy as your lead singer. You're really, you're really proud of that. He's like, yeah, I, I actually am, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I do my things in the ways that I can because I can't go out there and to circle back around. I can't go out there during the rallies. I can't, I feel like I can't do that because I don't want to put my family at risk or danger. There's many veterans. There's many people, not just veterans, police veterans, firefighter veterans. There's a lot of community service veterans who have been on the front lines per se of every one of their job fields. And they want to go ahead and voice it so bad, but they can't mm -hmm. because they're stuck in a real precarious situation. It's like, if you say something, then you're a traitor to all the services you've done. If you don't say anything, then you're a traitor to your race or your silence or you're complacent or you're complicit. So it's a very hard ball to juggle. That's why I tell anybody who's listening, if you feel that way, if you feel like you can't get out there and, and, and speak your voice about injustice, find a way to voice it. Find a way to tell people where you're at. Find a way to help people, even if it's just dropping off a box in the middle of a predominantly melanated neighborhood, a thank you box, and have it say thank you from a loving white family. Drop it off at a random, drop it off at a random house. Just say thank you from a loving white family, mass, hand sanitizer, couple groceries, things like that, dude. Like just revive the faith in humanity that in, in, in people that not all white people are racist. You know, not all cops are bad. Not all, you know, not all soldiers are baby killers. You know, you like reestablish that faith in humanity because of more like shit like, and not only that, but catch it on film too. For as much as people want to go ahead and film George Floyd getting killed and um, Rodney King getting beaten and things like that, those are horrible atrocities, horrible things that no human should ever go through. Also film and speak about the things that you're doing good for the community. Put the positive energy out there. Stop putting like the negative shit because negativity just breeds more negativity. If you feed that cancer sugar, it's just going to grow. You know what I mean? You just, you have to, you have to nip it in the butt and you have to stop it like right from the start and start putting out positive stuff. Contribute to a solution. Absolutely. Instead of just complaining about an issue and not, and not providing a solution. Cause then all you're doing, if, if you're just complaining without providing a solution, if you're just providing an issue without providing a solution, you're all you're doing is just complaining. And, per and perpetrating the, the problem as well. Exactly. And you're becoming that check mark on the proverbial clipboard that I mentioned earlier in the cast that like, oh, okay, well, they're just complaining and they're just going to go ahead and riot and they're not going to do anything. So guess what? This justifies it. What a lot of people don't realize too, is that any which way you cut the deck, there's probably hidden agendas everywhere. So yeah, they say, you can protest, you can go ahead and do that. Then they start destroying things. Then people start destroying everything. You don't want cops? That's the perfect way to get cops, is if you destroy things. I mean, look at Trump with his words, we're gonna issue dominance. What the fuck? Like he was about to put military on the streets. I don't know if anybody, I don't think people actually realize the magnitude of what martial law is. Your constitutional rights no longer matter, 
okay? You don't have freedom of speech. They will take you away and they'll keep you detained until everything is in order. That's what happens. They will seek order by any means necessary. There's a way to go about things. I get that people are like, we're going to burn this thing down to the ground until we have to make a new establishment, blah, 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 blah. Stop. You don't want police involvement? You don't want cops to be assholes? Stop. Do it a better way. Just still do it. Still show that you're pissed off. Still show that you're raged. Still show that you're not going to stop until something changes. But the more anarchy and the more unrest and the more turmoil you build and the more not you the more you infringe on people's peace life liberty and the pursuit of happiness the more they're going to come down and control and that's when the big machine is going to go ahead and say you see that's when that guy with that rich guy with that magical clipboard says you see they don't know how to act so we have to instill order all you're doing is playing right into their hands man you know what i mean like work smarter not harder how about you go ahead and have a have a rolling parade have the parade keep going around the town hall so that no mayor, nobody can get in. Nobody's being violent. You just have people marching around it 24-7. Just keep marching around it, playing peaceful music. But they can't get in. They can't do their job. There's a bunch of people outside. They can't do their job. Why? Because you're the person who signs the check in order to make this establishment happen. So you need to reverse that. Don't go ahead and, and pray on a poor white woman and her children in their car. Don't go ahead and shoot random people that are just getting traffic blocked off. Don't go ahead and burn people's cars and businesses. These are people trying to make a living during a fucking pandemic, man. These are people barely getting by. And now what you're doing is you're, you're, just, you're destroying their life so that way you can go back home to yours. Work smarter. Go into that, that person's store and say, what can I do in order for your voice to be heard in the government? What can I do? Go into Planned Parenthood. Go into freaking um, the YMCA. Go into the Boys and Girls Club. Go to N N um, NAACP rallies. Go to Black Lives Matter and say, what can we do outside of violence for our voice to be heard? Let's provide fact. Let's provide data. Let's stop this establishment. Yes, boycott certain items. If you stop money from going in, change will happen because they only listen to money. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, dude, and, and opening up the way you. you did, bro. I can't thank you, man. I, I really appreciate, you know, providing the platform for me to go ahead and, uh, and throw that out there. Yeah, dude. I, I, I totally appreciate you, and I want to talk to you some more. Absolutely, my friend. You can reach out to me at any time. Everybody who's out there listening or watching, put positive energy into the world, man, and figure out what you can do right by your community. Yeah, before we go, dude, you want to uh, put out any websites or – your Facebook pages for your uh, bands and stuff? Yeah, um, you can follow us at um, WW, or, uh, on Facebook at Condition Zero Metal for uh, my band Condition Zero. You can also check us out on, on Instagram. Also, uh, my other band, Dead by Wednesday. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can check us out everywhere. We have some songs that are going to be coming out very, very, very shortly that, have, uh, that are very relevant to the time. So I can't, really, I can't really give out too much information on that, even though I want to and I'm bursting at the seams. But yeah, check us out. Also, um, anybody out there, real quick, the closest thing to a superpower is jujitsu. Stay in shape and uh, let's turn this ship around. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to check out Esteban's music on Facebook and Instagram at Dead by Wednesday, and at Condition Zero. As always, the podcast is brought to you by 
Sabjits Soap Company on Facebook and Instagram at Sabjits Soap Co. And Tara's Natural Body Products, Facebook at Tara's Natural Soap. And on Instagram at Tara's Naturals. Peace.